Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the family afterward. Family beforehand, family during, and the family afterward today. But first... I want to thank Tab for being the speaker seeker this weekend and inviting me to be here. And of course, Obi and Jeffrey for chairing the conference. What a great time I've had here. Holy moly, this is the first time I've been at an in-person conference since March of 2019. And so, so I'm already crying. You bet. And, uh, you know, uh, Don was talking about the music of AA and, uh, Absolutely. You know, I, 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 I need to smell you. That's what my mama used to say. She goes, honey, I need to come see you because I just need to smell you. And, uh, and boy, y'all got a smell. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I, I'm awful glad to be here. I, and you know, it, I am thinking about the family afterward. Uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about the family afterward. I'm, I'm a member of one. Imagine that. Um, I'm actually a member in good standing in a family today. And uh, that has, hasn't always been the case. You know, Danny shared with us on Friday night about his father and the safety he felt when his father would hug him to his chest. Wow. Right? And the, and the journey that Danny got to go on himself and take his father on as well. And that beautiful story, the way that ended. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, and Don shared with us about his sister and his brother-in-law and, and, and the hell they went through and how much he loves her and how much it, that, that love wasn't enough, right? But he never, ever stopped loving her to this day. These are powerful, powerful stories. This is what we're doing here, right? We're not drinking, you bet. (laughs) That's a real big part of Alcoholics Anonymous, by the way, right? The not drinking part. But my God, when it talks about alcoholism is the annihilation of everything worthwhile in life. And what's, what's more worthwhile than the people we love? What is there? Nothing. Nothing. Not power not property, not prestige. It's the people. It's the people. And it's the people in Alcoholics Anonymous that got me here and kept me here and keep me here still today. I have a sobriety date of October the 19th of 1989. I'm as grateful as I know how to be about that right there. And you know what? It still takes my breath away that I get to stand here. I got to wake up this morning. I got to go to bed on a Saturday night sober. I got to wake up on a Sunday morning sober and I get to stand here. I get to be invited somewhere and actually show up. <laughs> Two parts to that, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I get to be with you. And I, I just, uh, whew. so my host Tess with the most Tess, we just went ahead and called her Tess, Amy, Tess, whatever. Um, we've had a great time. And, and think about this. Amy is here with her mother, Pam. Come on, y'all. <laughs> you can't make it up. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. You know, and, uh, you know, 
and it all comes down it's Sunday morning y'all so I'm going to talk a lot about God and even if it was Tuesday night I'd still be talking a lot about God because that's a central fact in my life today I can guarantee you that you know um because without a God in my life no matter how inadequate my concept of God may be right it's still enough for me to be here with you today and I can tell you, the concept of God I have today is remarkably different than the one I had yesterday or 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, all of that. And, 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 and what a deal that is, you know, to, to have a God that I can continue to grow in understanding and effectiveness and uh, uh, personal relationships. See, that hasn't always been the case for me. I... Come from a, I come from a family. Imagine that. And, uh, I come from a family. My parents were wonderful people. They got, my mother was 19 when she got married to my father who was 20. Wow. Can you tell it was the fifties? Um, that's right. And, uh, my mother was a Catholic and my father was an agnostic. Go figure that one out. Never have been able to figure that out. But, uh, they got married. Needless to say, my mama took us to the Catholic church all the time. All the time. It seemed like we were in church all the time. I, I have, I have intense memories of that nauseous feeling because you haven't eaten because, you know, because when you're Catholic, you have 39 children that you have to get to church. Ain't nobody got time for breakfast, right? So we're going to call that fasting. <laughs> mm. So I spent a lot of time in church. My father was an agnostic. I didn't know what that was. I asked him one time. I, I always think about this. So, you know, your your seven-year-old daughter walks up to you and says, Daddy, how come you don't go to church? Well, my father, the mathematician, physicist, atmospheric specialist, says to me, rocket scientist, says to me, well, daughter, <clears throat> as my mother looms over him going, what are you going to say now, mister? <laughs> he says, I'm an agnostic. Well, what does that mean? He says, I have to see it to believe it. That was a satisfactory answer for me. I toddled on my way. Now, I went to church, and i got to tell you, I, because I'm a Catholic, and my mother had nine brothers and sisters, and they all had children, and you know, I have like literally 27 first cousins, um, we would go to church at my grandmother's church or any other church. We'd, we went to church when we were camping. It's just what you did in the 60s when you were Catholic. And I'm not saying anything against church. Please don't mishear me. This is my experience. I got to church. And the God that you taught me about in church scared the hell out of me. Now, my 27 first cousins that I sat in the pew with did not have that same experience. They heard it way differently, right? But I think I've made of Teflon. And so a lot of good things will hit me and bounce right off, slides right off like that egg. You know what I'm saying? And that's what happened for me. So God scared me. Because I was going to go to hell. I had all this sin. I, uh, you know? And I, and I just didn't have, I just, I just didn't have a personal connection. I didn't have a personal relationship with the God of my understanding. I had a relationship that scared the hell out of me. And you know what? I said, good for you. I got it. Don't need it. Thanks. Thanks for everything. And I, and I'll do, I'll do all the, all the rituals and all that stuff. But, but nothing was happening on the inside for me. Nothing. 
right? And so I put that in a nice little box and I set it on the shelf and I said, don't need this. I'll see it to believe it. I'm going to go with the agnostic idea, right? Well, that's all well and good until you're about 28 years old and you still have the concept of a God from a seven-year-old child. Hmm. Imagine that. So, but I had a little bit on the, uh, I had a little bit in between there because I came in here when I was 28 years old, significantly younger than I am now. <laughs> um, but what happened for me was, uh, uh, you know, uh, alcoholism came to visit my home in the, in the, in the guise of my oldest brother. And as, a, and what happened in my family is it disintegrated under the weight of active alcoholism, Right. My parents didn't know what to do. My parents were not alcoholic. My parents worked hard every single day of their life. They gave to their community. They gave to their city. They gave to their country all the days of their life, right? Moral, philosophical convictions galore. You better know I got those. I was raised right, y'all. I was raised I was raised to leave something better than I found it. Had all the teachings, Right? Alcoholism came to my family, and the weight of it disintegrated it. My parents split up, all that kind of stuff, all kinds of reasons. But here I am, you know, and lo and behold, I'm going to find my own alcoholism. I remember my first my first attempt at a, at a spiritual life looked like this. And I was just a child, and I said, God, could you please make Mama forget today is Sunday? <laughs> right? And that prayer was never answered. She never forgot. We always went. And then uh, as I got a little bit older, uh, I went to school and all those kinds of things that you do. And, and I, uh, I said, God, if you'd give me enough money, let me make enough money where I can drink everything I want and do all alcohol's little friends to my heart's content, we'll be great. I'd be great. Well, what do you know? Got me a great job, great job, making good money. And, uh, of course, what happens for me is a girl like me finds a boy like you. You better know I do. <laughs> right? And I, but, but I gotta find a boy like me who drinks a little bit more than me, maybe he does a little bit of more dry goods than me, because see, I'm gonna be the good one. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna be the good one. <laughs> this way I can be the victim. Please. Right? <clears throat> I like the way she laughed at that. <laughs> My, did I hit something, sister? Yeah. And so, you know, we. The, <laughs> what happened for me is uh, I meet this old boy. Of course I do. Love at first sight. Uh, he's, a, he's a drinker. I'm a drinker. What else? What more do you need, right? And so not, I always laugh because alcoholics are the masters of rapid involvement. Right? I mean, you know, like she says, I don't call her back. She's going to be the speaker. Right? Right? I mean, an old boy who can drink enough, and he's going to be my husband. Right? I'm going to need about a month or two. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Come on, nobody in here has gotten married within a month or two. Danny. <laughs> so, yeah, so anyway, I end up marrying this old boy. Now, in the, in the, during all this time, what I don't know is happening is my own alcoholism. I'm just partying, y'all. I'm just having a good time. Now, I'm partying before work. 
I'm, I'm partying during work. Partying. That's what we used to say. I, I was told, I was sharing this with somebody the other day. We used to walk up to each other and go, are you cool? <laughs> see, I, I, see, I'm in the right crowd. Are you cool? <laughs> I was so cool, right? <laughs> so I get with this old boy and my own alcoholism. Thank God now all bets are off. I don't have to monitor anything, right? Because he's going to drink a little bit more. He's not about to say anything about me, right? And we do this. And, um, man, it, it, it accelerates in a heartbeat. And the next thing you know, I mean, it's a daily, it's daily drinking. It's daily all the other fun party favors. And, um, and, and, <laughs> and what happens is I become unemployable pretty quickly. But, see, I'm an alcoholic, and I'm grandiose to the core. So I'm not unemployable. I don't see it as that. What I see is I'm going to go into business for myself. (laughs) Right? And what that means is I get a business card made, uh, but I don't ever actually do anything. You know what I mean? And so that was in business for myself. Um, But so things accelerate. Well, of course, you got to know what's going to happen. Get married. Got to get pregnant. Right? I mean, I didn't gotta. I just did. Right? Like, like they have the out, the warning labels on alcohol. Don't take this while pregnant. Well, if it wasn't for alcohol, none of us would have gotten pregnant. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Not that we don't love our children. <laughs> but let me tell y'all. Remember, I was raised with good values. I know the difference between right and wrong. Always have. Always have. And I get pregnant with this baby. Now, I know, I know you're not supposed to drink or do anything or smoke or do, eat swordfish um, <laughs> when you're pregnant. And I wish I had had the power to not do that. But, of course, I didn't. Right? Now, I can hold on. I can white-knuckle it. Well, you know, the first trimester, who knows they're really pregnant, right? We're just going to push that out a little bit, play stupid. Second trimester is a little bit challenging, more challenging. Third trimester, see, <laughs> you know how it says we should, in the in the evening review, all those things we're watching for, selfishness, dishonesty, where were we framing? I think it says, you know, have we left something out and all that. I think it should say, what did we justify today? Because I can justify anything, right? And what I was able to justify is this baby in my belly. He was he was just putting on weight. He's fine. I, it's it'll be fine, right? And that's how I justified it, knowing knowing it was wrong, right? Sure I did, sure I did. Scared to death that was going to be something wrong with that baby, but no, he comes out healthy and beautiful and a wonderful, ha- happy baby, unhappy mama, right? My alcoholism continues to progress, 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 progress. Now, here's the deal. Most of us can kind of fudge our way through one child, one baby. But what do you think happens to a girl like me? You don't, you don't think I'm practicing safe sex or responsible in any way. No. So I end up pregnant again pretty quickly. Of course I do. Of course I do. Now, I'd like to say that I stopped drinking and I took the vitamins and I did all the things, right? Because I know right from wrong. 
good family, good parents, all the things, right? Yeah. My alcoholism progressed, and I had no power. And let me tell you, and I know there's a lot of people who are going to come up and say, oh, I'm glad the ladies got to hear that story and all of these things like that. But I'm going to tell you, I know there are men out here today who fathered children who maybe didn't raise them in the way they wished they had. Maybe they weren't there in the way they knew they ought to be. So it's not just a woman's story. This is a family story. Because, you know, these babies had a daddy too. Yes, they did. Right? And uh, and so I went on with this baby, with the second baby, and my alcoholism had progressed. And I was terrified. I was humiliated, and I was dreadfully ashamed. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, we get here and it's all about rigorous honesty. And it talks about honesty in the three times in the, in the first paragraph of How It Works. And I wanted to be honest. I wanted to be sober. But I could not admit to you that I had done these things when I was pregnant. I was terrified. I was humiliated. Right? And, and, and the thing is, I didn't want to tell myself I had done these things. I couldn't, even, I couldn't admit it to myself, much less to you. So isn't it interesting when we get a new sponsee or a new a new person in Alcoholics Anonymous and we're like, well, she just won't tell the truth. There's nothing I can do with her. It's like, oh, my God, thank God they didn't do that to me. Thank God they didn't do that to me. Right? They just went, are you sure, darling? Are you sure that's how it went? I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, I am. <laughs> Until I could get to the place where I could tell you. Wow. Um Anyway, now I got two babies, and my house has is disintegrating under the weight of active alcoholism. I'm and here's what it looks like for me: I'm a screamer. That probably comes as a shock. I'm a screamer. I'm a yeller, and I'm a thrower. I'm a breaker of things. Oh yes, I am. I can I can hurl a skillet with remarkable precision. Yeah. That's good form. You better know it. Zing. With a little, little English on it. And, and, and so, and I love to break windows. Just throw something through a window. Oh my God. It's the best. So satisfying. <laughs> Could she that tinkling glass? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and so, and, and so we're screaming and yelling and fighting. And I like to talk about the fact that what we were having was hall sex. You know, you pass each other in the hall and you go, screw you, right? And this is where my babies are living. This is where my babies are living. I know right from wrong. I've got moral and philosophical convictions galore. And one day I look out. And my little boy has his Lego bucket over his head because the screaming's been going on and on and on. He's got that little bucket over his head. That's all he can do. That's the only escape he has. And I don't ever, ever, ever want to forget that sight. That boy is now a man of 34 years old. And I never want to forget that bucket on his head because that is exactly who and what I am without you in my life and without God in my life. If I don't do what this stuff is, if I don't do these things, I will drink again. And and it says to drink is to die, but it won't be tomorrow. It'll annihilate all things worthwhile in my life before then, I promise you. I promise you. So I don't ever want to forget that image, ever. 
Um, so what happens? You know, all, all, all during these years, right? Mean, mean, needless to say, at this point, I was weighing 89 pounds. Oh, yeah, I was hot, y'all. Let me just <laughs> assure you. I was nothing but windpipe. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Killing it. And uh, uh, you know, I was wearing children's clothing. Yeah, I was. And all this time, my mother is coming up, and she's going, baby, when she'd come and smell me, and she'd go, there's something wrong with you. Looks like you need help. And what is the alcoholic battle cry? I'm good. I got this. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. I'm good. It's okay. But I got to go. Right? I got to go. And all those Thanksgivings, I said I was coming and I didn't make it. All those Christmases, I told you I was going to get you a gift, but I didn't. Over and over and over. And so she'd been coming to me saying, there's something really, really wrong with you. I know there's something wrong. How can I help? How can I help? And because we talk about I had a moment of clarity. No, I didn't. I had, I had, I had a tidal surge of care and concern and love until finally I heard it. And, and what happened for me was my 89 pound self, one more screaming match, one more broken windmill, one more ch- children terrified of their parents, right? And I fell to my knees for the first time in years, years. And I said, God, I don't know what to do, right? And you think, well, that must have been it. The heavens opened and and angels sung and, and all that. And you know what? That probably did happen. I didn't see it. I wasn't conscious of that presence at that time. I got up, broke another window, went on about my day. I was living like a vampire. All that nice stuff that we do. That's how we show up here. And finally, my mama showed up and she says, I got a plan for you. Because she'd been talking to you. Right? Behind my back. (laughs) She called my best drinking buddy. My best drink, my best drinking buddy. And she says, but I hadn't seen my best drinking buddy in about a month. I heard she'd gone to some kind of A&A thing. And she wasn't drinking. I'm like, well, we're done. <laughs> we have nothing to talk about. And um, and she called my friend, and she said, I'm really worried about my daughter, and can you help? And she says, I can't, but I know people who can. See, she'd been with you. She'd been with you for about three weeks, right? And the next thing you know, what happens is you're having that living. In my story, is I was had, they were having a living room meeting. You know what I mean? Anybody else had one of those? They got letters. They got a plan. Yeah, that's what it looked like for me. And all I had to do was say yes. Now, because my husband had gone out on a business trip, uh, when they when the living room meeting happened, I said yes. I said yes. I said, but the only way I'll go to this treatment center, first of all, they hooked me when they said, we want you to pack like you're going on a cruise. (laughs) And I said, well, who needs rest and relaxation more than me? I'm in, right? I hope there's a pool. And <laughs> so I pack like I'm going on a cruise. All I had was black clothing. It was not a goth thing. It was just, I'm terribly depressed. 
Um, and, uh, and, and I said, I will go, but I want to go to Arizona. And she has to go with me, my drinking buddy. And my drinking buddy goes, okay, right? Now, my drinking buddy had 21 days sober. So if you're new in here and you think you don't have something to offer Alcoholics Anonymous, I promise you, you do. She saved my life that day. Absolutely. By saying yes. Having that hand extend when I needed help. She was responsible. So off I go. Boom. Thank God I went to a place back in the old days. (laughs) I went to a place that just introduced me to Alcoholics Anonymous. $17,000 later, I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous. Come to find out, you can just show up for a dollar. Who knew? But I got a book out of it, thank God. (laughs) And, uh, and, and of course I came home and, and, and I was on fire, y'all. Cause I didn't, you know, it talks about we have, we have a spiritual experience. We, We either have the educational variety or we have something that's sudden and profound. See, I think we have both. Because for me, to wake up on a day and not drink was sudden and profound for me. Absolutely sudden and utterly profound. Did I attribute that to God at the beginning? No, I didn't. I I attributed it to detox, treatment, whatever. But it was sudden and profound. I have since then continued with the educational variety. Right? Works for me. So I get here, and then and what happens? I'm lit up. I'm excited. I do all the things. And I got to go to this group in Austin, Texas, that uh, the Northern Group. And let me tell you, you talked about it last night. I walked into that meeting, and there was a woman who looked like she was about 1,020 years old. <laughs> she was probably 60, which is my age now. <laughs> and she saw me come in. And she came for me. And every day when I would walk into that meeting, she would be sitting in the same chair on the right-hand side of the room, second chair over, right? And she'd say, Honey, I've saved you a seat right here by me. And she did this for months and months. Honey, I've saved you a seat. Come sit by me. I'm so glad you're here. Now, I want you to listen to Danny. He says really good stuff. But that guy over there, He's an idiot. (laughs) And she taught me about Alcoholics Anonymous. (laughs) And she also gave me what we used to have back then was smoking. And what she gave me at about 30 days in those rooms was the ashtray commitment. And every time I talk about that ashtray commitment, I get choked up. Because it was her way of bringing me in to these rooms, making me feel important, making me feel like I had a job, making me feel like I belonged, teaching me how to watch for the door. You got a job. You're important. You're uniquely qualified to help the still-suffering alcoholic. Uniquely qualified. Don't ever forget that. You can help when no one else can. No one. Because all we ever did to anyone who was non-alcoholic was lie to them. Mothers, doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, all of them. We lied to everyone, even ourselves, even ourselves. 
So what do I do? Oh my God, I'm so excited. Oh, you know, I'm trying to sponsor people. No one's staying sober, but I am, right? And, 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 and I love AA and I'm doing all the things. And let me tell you what happened to me. You see, I had all this guilt about my children, right? And I needed to make up for lost time. And so what I did was what I believed was a very noble pursuit. And I got busy with my kids. I'm going to make up for a lost time. I'm going to be the AA mom. I mean, I'm going to be the, the homeroom mom. I'm going to be the PE mom. I'm going to be the uh, karate mom. I'm going to be the soccer mom. I'm going to be the baseball mom. I'm going to be the arts and crafts. I'm PTA. What do you need? I'm on it. Oh, and I'll teach Sunday school. <laughs> what? But, uh, and I got real, real busy. And just like we hear all the time, this great big life that Alcoholics Anonymous gave me took me right out of AA. You bet it did. Now, I didn't drink. Well, let me tell you what it did do. Oh, yeah, it got real weird. (laughs) (laughs) Because I suffer from alcoholism and left untreated, it's going to get real weird. And what happened for me was I played a lot of tennis, y'all. <laughs> I was really good. Um, but, you know, when you talk to the tennis team about, well, I lived like a vampire and I was nothing but windpipe, they're like, they just kind of move away. <laughs> you, you didn't do that? No? You know, the kind of gals that go, oh, three sips of a margarita and I got to quit. I'm feeling it. Like, you, to your point. <laughs> okay. So, um... Talk about weird. But what happened for me is I spend all this time uh, with doing doing noble works. Noble works. Even had another baby. By God, I'm going to have another baby in sobriety because my marriage is falling apart because I'm with a man who is a good man, but I had no business ever being with him. Right? Never. But we made some beautiful children. And so, uh, and I'm grateful for that. But I can tell you that what happened is when I'm trying to treat my alcoholism with Sunday school PTA and tennis, it didn't work very well. And so when a crisis came along, like my mother getting sick and dying within about 60 days, I had nothing. I had nothing but bitterness, anger, resentment, fear, all the things, the four horsemen all over me. And I have nothing. Right? And what do you think happens? Well, the shine had completely wore off my, uh, worn off my marriage. So, well, found me another old boy. Of course I did. So I ended up having an affair in the, in, in, in sobriety. Right? I found a guy. He'd been my friend for years. He had five months sober. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Yes, I did. You know, I had eight years without a drink. He had five months sober. We start hanging out, as the kids say today. And um, and I will ask you, I challenge you to think, which one of us was sicker? It was me. It was clearly me, right? And no matter how mad I was at God, uh, my mother died anyway, right? Because that happens. People, that just happens to people. And so I... um I get with this old boy, I end up getting a divorce, blah, 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 blah. Now, I will tell you, to, in my defense, where, do, where were we defensive? Um, <laughs> I've been with this old boy for about 25 years now, 26 years now. So it kind of worked out for us. I do belong with this fella. Um, uh, uh, but let me tell you, 
I didn't have any tools to be in a, in a marriage. I didn't know how to love someone. I knew I could love someone. I didn't know how to love someone. And so what I discovered in this, in this relationship that meant everything to me, the man of my dreams, the, 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 the my everything, the alpha, the omega, all the, whatever you want to call it, right? We end up buying a house together, even though we weren't married. We'd only been engaged for five years at that point. Um, <laughs> less rapid involvement. Um, but, uh, man, Maybe fear of commitment. Yeah. Anyhow, so uh, we buy a house and and we're together and 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 we have lost weekends. You know where you 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 pick a fight with your partner on Thursday and you don't talk till Sunday. Nobody else ever did that. We did it all the time, right? And so uh, uh, what I found is we're in the kitchen of this this house and this life and this love and we're nose to nose and I'm screaming at him, screw you. See, nothing had changed, just the surroundings, just the faces, because I had never gotten down to causes and conditions, right? Oh, yeah, I made a list of my grosser handicaps, but I hadn't gotten down to causes and conditions. I didn't know who and what I really was. I still hadn't told you what, ha- what I really did when I was pregnant. I had, I had a photograph of myself when I went into detox. I was talking to them about that this morning that I did not show to anyone for 10 years, at least. I mean, come on. You think I'm being driven by self-pity, driven by shame, humiliation, all these kinds of things? Yeah. Oh, I'm still packing all that around. I'm screaming. I'm screaming at the person I claim love. I didn't break any windows. But you knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I knew if I kept on this way, I was not going to make it. Not with him. Not with sobriety. And I thought, well, I don't know what he's going to do, but I got to get busy. Now, I did. Imagine that. So I started going to these meetings that were pretty, and, and you know, sometimes I like to sit back and go, well, that meeting's no good. They don't have a solution over there. I'm, you know, burp, 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 burp. <laughs> I'm the poster child for AA and they don't know and all this, right? They're right. I'm, they're wrong. Oh, come on. I went to this meeting that was so quirky. Okay. <laughs> it was supposed to start at nine. It started about nine eleven, you know? And, um, nobody in there had a book and <clears throat> it was, uh, the early, that was the late nineties. So we spent a lot of time talking about inner child and our feelings. <laughs> it was as quirky as you might imagine, but I can tell you if I'd have run into Don Landis or Danny Brown at that time, I'd have run screaming with my hair on fire. Right? So, This meeting met me where I was. God was in that meeting too, believe it or not, no matter what my judgment is about it today. Now, I'm not advocating for your meeting starting 11 minutes late. I like the big book. Don't get me wrong. Don't mishear me. I'm just saying, who am I to stand up here and say what you need or what you need or what you'll hear or what you'll hear or what's good for you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what's good for me. Uh, so anyway, I, I, I 
go to this place. And, uh, and well, let me tell you what happened to me. There was a woman in there, Katie P. And her husband had died. And she was a mess. And, you know, I mean, girl, let me just tell you, right? And she comes up to me and she says, hey, can you sponsor me? And I'm like, of course I can. Have you seen the program I'm working? <laughs> yeah, you bet. <laughs> Got it going on. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know what? I got a lot of pride. I got a lot of vanity. God knows this. So he's going to work with what I got, right? And he says, so I get this, and, I, and she asked me to do this, and I'm like, oh, God dang, there's probably something to this. And I, I let me see, a book is important. So I got one. I can find the one I had. I couldn't find my $17,000 one, so I had to get a new one. <laughs> right? I needed a book. I needed to read it, not just have it. Uh, I remember that a sponsor was kind of an important thing. So I got one of those. And then I called her, right? And then I knew that the steps were important too. And I asked her to show me how to work them. And she did, right? And in that way, and this is what I love about that story, is when that woman asked me to sponsor her, she saved my life. One more time. One more time. A human being walks up to me and saves my life. Oh, my God. It's the best. It's the best. So taking this untreated alcoholic, you're taking all of her mess, and what do you do? Well, I get excited. I get lit up. I catch on fire. I find this book. I find people who are reading it. It's the greatest thing I've ever found. It has become all of my life today. You bet. I had somebody ask me not too long ago, so um, she had about five years. She goes, um, cocks her head at me. So do you do AA like every day? Like, well, sugar pop, I drank every day. <laughs> Seems like a natural thing. Uh, at, at least on these days it does. You know, what I, what I, what I believe today is that God is going to send the cavalry for you. He's always trying to get you near him. He's always trying to get me near him. In every, in all kinds of ways that I either choose to ignore, won't believe in, won't indulge, won't take time for, you know, because Netflix, right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) You know, and it's easy to rest on our laurels. It is easy to rest on our laurels, you know, because... (laughs) We do it every day. Oh my God. And, 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 and the thing is, we want to act like it's so hard. And like, and, 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 but here's the thing. The greatest gifts in my life have been when I have walked shoulder to shoulder with someone, sat knee to knee with someone, and watched them recreate their life, reassemble their families, go from the trash heap to the, to the boardroom. I've seen this over and over and over and over, and I don't want to miss it. To me today, I expect it. I know it's going to happen for you. There's no doubt in my mind. I know you can pay $80,000 in IRS bills. I paid forty. <laughs> you know? 
I know you can. And I know you don't think you can. I know you don't. But I was thinking about John Henry this morning too. Come on in this house. Come on in. We got you. We got you. You know? Um, so I got this sister-in-law. She's bipolar. And, I, and we have we have a little joke around where I live that says, well, is she an actual bipolar or an AA bipolar? Because <laughs> I promise you, when I got here, I looked mighty bipolar, right? You know, uh, but I'm not. Uh, but my sister-in-law is. And let me tell you, and, and, and I love her, and, and she takes her meds, and, and she takes her meds, and she starts to feel real good. Just like I do when I'm in AA. I start to take my medicine, which is AA, and I start to feel real good. And you know what my sister-in-law does? She starts to think, I'm doing it. She thinks she's doing it. Yeah, I don't need these meds. I got this. She stops taking her meds, just like I will. I'll stop taking my meds, too, because I got this. I, I don't need to call my sponsor. I know what she's going to say. It's the same old thing we've been talking about. And, 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 and so I think I got it. My sister-in-law thinks she's got it. And you know what she does? She stops taking her meds. And what happens? The next thing you know, we got to call the police one more time. We got to take her, we got to take her to the hospital one more time. Bless her heart. She just take it. And that's how, that's what happens for us in here too. My God, we see someone reassemble our life. They take on, they, they just become amazing. They get, all the promises are happening and their life is getting huge. They think they've got it. And, and they go away. And we sit back and we go, oh, they just take their medicine. But we don't. You know, the numbers are not good for us, right? They're on. Most of us don't make it. I I remember what they tell me in treatment. One in nine will be sober in five years. And I'm like, I don't know what the other eight of you are going (laughs) to (laughs) do. Right? Uh, So the numbers aren't good because we're talking about alcoholism. We're talking about battling a disease that tells you you don't have it. I got this. I got this. Just like, just like Fred. Thanks for the information, fellas. I'll take it from here. Right? Oh my God. So, uh, got off on a little rant, didn't I? Thanks, Don. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit more about my family. Now, I, uh, one of the things is the impacts we have on our family. For the longest time, I really, you know, because I got sober and I went to my parents and I said, oh, you know, I'm making amends. They're like, oh, that's okay, honey. All the, just, just keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) You know, they're looking with this horrified look on their face. (laughs) Please stop talking and please just keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) I had about nine years sober. And my brother lives overseas, and uh, and he has for a million years. And my mother and I decided to go see him. 
Now, he lives in France. Oh, they drink a lot of wine in France, huh? And so my brother, he drinks a lot of wine and, and all the things because he's not an alcoholic. My mother's not an alcoholic. And, you know, vive la France. So we go over. And now my brother's very respectful that I don't drink. And he provides me with a nice with nice apple juice, sparkling apple juice they make in France for the children. And so, uh, <laughs> so he provides me with lots of children's apple juice and, uh, and, and pretty glasses because they're all about that in France and all the aesthetics. And so uh, I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And he makes sure I know it's children's apple juice. And, and so I spend the next couple of days drinking this. Now my mother, on the other hand, she went to about, oh, I don't know, four or five, no, two or three Al-Anon meetings. Thanks for the information, fellow. She'll take it from here. And um, and uh, uh, she didn't say a word. She didn't say a word till about day four. And then she kind of wanders over to the kitchen, and she picks up the children's apple juice, and she reads the label, and she goes, Oh, my God. I said, What? She goes, You haven't been drinking. I went, no, ma'am. She goes, there's no alcohol in here. And I went, no, ma'am, there's not. She goes, oh. she sat down. She says, I've been so afraid. Yeah. This is the impact we have on our families that we don't even know about. Right? I can't imagine. It was in that moment that I really began to realize the sleepless nights, the endless worry, not just when I was drunk, but sober too, right? Is she going to stay sober? Is she going to be all right, right? That that tornado roaring through people's lives. And we're like, hey, any grand, the wind's not blowing? It's all good, you know? And, uh, and I don't ever want to forget that either. I never want to forget that. Um, you know, so uh, after having had uh hall sex with my husband Cecil um and and trying to get through some of that too uh today we have the to me he is as fine a specimen of manhood as one would hope to see and i can tell you that i uh cannot believe i i like to talk about the fact that i have a pinch me life i have a pinch me life you know good job Three out of four of my children are really great. <laughs> hey, in baseball, that's batting 750. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, just, just, these things are just wonderful. Wonderful, uh, marriage and a beautiful home and a, a home and, and all the, you know, just, just the, just the life that AA gives you. And, but before we got to that part, you know, when, when we were screaming at each other and, and those Thursday night at the fights, wait until Sunday night and daring who's going to speak first, who's going to offer the olive branch. Won't be me, you know, uh, I, I, I was given a prayer and I, and I love to pass this on because, and I say it all the time. I say it about my child today and I say, God, please give Cecil a new wife and let it be me and let it be me that, you know, the, the, the wisdom to know the difference, right? The wisdom to know the difference that it is me indeed. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> The great thing about being with the Danny and Don this weekend is that we've all had heart attacks, right? 
there's another club you don't want to be a member of. But I had, I got, I, mine was not, wasn't nearly as bad as theirs. Um, <laughs> clearly I'm winning. Um, but, but you know, I, I, I had a heart attack and, uh, and, and this is what happened for me. And we talked about emotional sobriety yesterday. And emotional sobriety for me, too, is also about that dependence on trying to get someone to make me be okay. And so when I had that heart attack, it scared me. It scared me a lot. My mother died at 64. My father died at 59. Don't have really good genetics, right? I can see the writing on the wall. Um, so I have this heart attack, and I'm thinking, well, my, my time is limited, right? So I say to my husband, hey, you know, if I keep working, I'm probably just going to die at my desk. And wouldn't that be tragic? And he goes, well, then quit. I'm like, I can't quit my job. That would be irresponsible. Who quits a job when they're not retirement eligible? He goes, then don't. <laughs> I'm like, but wait a minute. There's so many things I want to do. I, I want to, I want to see the world and, and I, I don't know. I want to cure cancer or something. And he goes, then quit. <laughs> this goes on for weeks. I'm like, I can't quit my job. Do you know what my, I mean, my pension and, and the, 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 the health insurance, all the things. Well, then don't. <laughs> you know? And I kept pulling and pulling and pulling. And, and he, he would not bite. He would not take the bait, right? And uh, and and through my own work, which I finally got to, um, through my own work, what I did discover is that I was trying to get him to make me not afraid of dying. And that is something he can never do. He can never make me afraid of living. Not afraid of living. He can never make me anything, Right? Now, that did not stop me from trying. But I, but what I came to understand in that experience is that my reliance must come from a higher power. My reliance must come from a higher power. And today I can tell you, well, I, I sure don't want to go, you know, but you can't make me, you can't change it. I can't change it. Well, I mean, I can clean up my diet and, and do all the things that the doctors tell you to do. And Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do some of them. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, but it's that dependence on other people for that security that I had sought my whole life. And I also can tell you this, that when I am seeking that security, even if I have it, I don't see it. You see that Teflon, it's going to bounce right off. It's going to bounce right off. It takes all of my spiritual practice to recognize the fact that I have this pinch me life, right? Otherwise, I can fall victim to the prey of my own head that tells me, well, you know, it's probably not that good. You know what I mean? And and this guy that you're with, the love of your life, is he really, really? You know? And just all that thing. And, and, and do you really, really think you need to go to AA? You know, all these things. It'll t- it, My mind will take me right out. And my spiritual practice will bring me right back in. Just that quick. God is that big, that loving, that mighty, that swift. 
right? I don't, it's so funny. Like I was talking about in the beginning, you know, when someone comes in and they think, I'm going to spend the rest of my days repaying the IRS. And I can sit back and go, no, you're not. It's going to be some days, but it's not going to be the rest of them, probably. You know, I can, and it's so beautiful how my sponsor can see my life better than I can, you know, because, because she, because she can, because she, uh, and, and, and it's so interesting that, that the people who love us can see us for who we were talking about this this morning, that, that our sponsors or that our trusted friends, you know, we talked about, are they hardliners? I said, no, they're truth tellers. I am so delighted and honored to have people in my life that have spiritual consent to tell me the truth about me, right? And sometimes, I told my sponsor the other day, I said, you know, when I bring stuff to you, sometimes it feels like you get hit upside the head with a, with a wet mullet. <laughs> well, I didn't see that coming. I thought you were going to go, at a girl. Good for you, you know? That doesn't always happen. Um, so, my daughter, I have, I have, uh, I have two sons and a daughter from my f- first husband. And I have a bonus son from my current husband. And we don't use step in our house anymore. We used to. But now we talk about the fact that my children from my first husband have a bonus dad. Right? He has bonus children. And, uh, it works for us. And my, uh, my, one thing I know is that coming into here, I learned everything I know about love from you, from you, right? And, and, and your patience and your kindness and your, and your, and your demonstration of what love looks like in your life. And, uh, my daughter said to me, you know, ma, I want Cecil, she was getting married and, uh, in last December and she said, you know, ma, I want Cecil to marry us. Bonus dad. He's going to marry us. My dad's going to walk us down the aisle, you know, walk me down the aisle. And, and what a beautiful event we had. And I said, well, that's really sweet, honey. You know, I, 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 he's so honored to get to do that. And she goes, well, you know, everything I've learned about love, I've learned from you and Cecil. I know. <laughs> that is one of those things. That is one of those bonuses. One of those gifts. I did not come in here thinking I was going to get. I did not think that quitting drinking was going to lead to any of that. Would, would be, would, would make, would have anything to do with that. And yet here we are. You know, Remember, my son, just her big brother, had a bucket on his head as a, as, a, as a toddler. And now here we are, just 30 years later, um, right? But you know what we say also, 30 years is going to pass whether you're drunk or whether you're sober, right? What is your, what, what is your choice to be? God is either everything or he is nothing. What is your choice to be today? You get to pick. You get to pick. I'm going with God is. 
I remember when my, my oldest son, he's a real thinker. Love this guy. And he said to me when he was about six, he goes, I don't think I believe in Santa Claus. And I went, okay, well, you don't have to. But here's the deal. If you don't believe in Santa Claus, he'll never come. <laughs> but if you do, who knows what can happen? <laughs> so all I can tell you is coming into here, not only did you save my life by the people one person at a time, one shoulder at a time, one arm around me at a time, one seat saved for me at a time, one day at a time. And here I get to stand before you, almost 30, almost, just like almost 32 years sober. Well, that would make me 31 years sober, wouldn't it? Um, but uh, uniquely qualified to help that still-suffering alcoholic. And what a privilege it is to get to do that. What a privilege it is. And what a joy. And who knew that stopping drinking and coming in here would give meaning and purpose to my life? Didn't see that coming either. So let me get this straight. You want me to come in this house, sit down, put the plug in the jug, as they used to say, and I'm going to get all of these things, not to mention peace of mind, I don't know about y'all, but that is a hell of a bonus round, and I'm so honored to get to be a part of it. That's all I got. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.